0: Inner chaos is part of so many lives. When we go through it, we often try to hide it on the outside. Now nah, I'm okay. I'm all good. But inside, there's a struggle. Why do I feel this way? Am I broken? Am I the only one feeling like this? When people connected to Jesus, they would grow to trust him. Pull down the mask they wore. A-N-X-I-E-T-Y. The little devil that terrorizes my mind. What was once my friend has been turned against me. The simplest decision is now complex algebra. I've been infected, corrupted, the great deception. A-N-X-I-E-T-Y. Get away from me. You make my eyes twitch. My heart miss a beat. My lungs draw tighter when I hear your name. You point the finger but make me feel to blame. A-N-X-I-E-T-Y. Is this happening? Why me? I never gave you permission. Give back what you've stolen. My joy you've taken, replaced by exhaustion. You've stolen my love, my peace, and my hope. You've taken my mind, replaced it with a phony copy. This one's fake. It doesn't work. A-N-X-I-E-T-Y. Give me my life back. Give me my peace. How much longer must I have to fight your tsunami waves? Tossed back and forth on top of your boiling current. You howl like an icy wind down the alleys of my mind. I can't hear anything else. A-N-X-I-E-T-Y. My friends, my, my family, they see I'm not okay. I know they tried their best, but trying to diagnose and fix this beast only makes it stronger. It may look and sound like a mouse to you, but to me it's a fierce lie and I cannot escape. I know you're just trying to help, but I just want you to hear my yelp. A N X I-E-T-Y. What started as a small worry has carved train tracks in my mind. It feels unescapable. You have chained me to my bed. I can't even lift my eyelid. Like angry dogs barking in the morning, you rob me of rest. I can't escape your gnashing teeth. A-N-X-I-E-T-Y. Anxiety, please, just let me be. Let's pray together. Father, we are such weak and fragile beings. Uh, Make us aware tonight of how close you are to us, and I pray that you use my words to share your heart, Lord. Amen. There's a lot of fear in the world. A lot. You know, I, I, I am worried about many, many things. You know, there's things like, ISIS and terror attacks, poverty, Donald Trump, uh, murder, gang violence, corruption, you know, a whole range of things, like these these big picture fearful things, but then there's like the personal fearful things like, did I shave my beard correctly today when I woke up today? Am I wearing the right combination of denim and dark denim and then white colored sneakers? You know, there's these personal worries and there's bigger, bigger worries. I... I'm so worried about a number of things, but I'm not alone. I, I, I have the Herald app on my phone, and I, I like to open it every day because, you know, it's good to be informed, but it seems to just kind of fuel this worry. I opened up my phone today, and there was the, the, the articles about the London attack. There was an article about a rampage in, in uh, Las Vegas. There's a, there's a report from this morning about a guy who was held up at gunpoint in Auckland at a car cars, uh, tire store, and the guy took his car. There's stories from New Zealand there about uh, young children being abducted. People uh, having rape stories and and horrible drug addictions. It just kind of fuels this worry. So obviously I'm not alone in my worry, and I know this because it's coming through multiple channels. Celebrities speak out about their worries and their fears. Amanda Seyfried has been quoted saying, I'll start worrying about my parents or my dog, And I'll picture him opening the window of my apartment and falling out, even though I can't get that thing open myself. Or Adele, who's in the country at the moment, playing to 50,000 people a show. I'm scared of audiences. One show in Amsterdam, I was so nervous, I escaped out the fire exit. Amanda Seafried again. It's sad, actually, because my anxiety keeps me from enjoying things as much as I should at this age. Kristen Stewart, if I didn't know how something was gonna turn out, I would just make myself ill or be locked up or inhibited in a way that was really debilitating. It's not just celebrity quotes where we were hearing all this stuff, it's coming through in the music you listen to at the moment as well. Linkin Park just recently released the song Heavy and the lyrics within it say things like, I don't like my mind right now, stacking up problems that are so unnecessary, wish that I could slow things down, I wanna let go but there's comfort in the panic. And I drive myself crazy thinking everything's about me. Yeah, I drive myself crazy because I can't escape the gravity. 21 Pilots had this song, has these lyrics in their song, Doubt. Scared of my own image, scared of my own immaturity, scared of my own ceiling, scared I'll die of uncertainty. Fear might be the death of me, fear leads to anxiety, don't know what's inside of me. Bit of an old school hit, if you guys remember it, but uh, Matchbox 20 with Unwell. All day staring at the ceiling, making friends with shadows on my wall. All night hearing voices telling me that I should get some sleep because tomorrow might be good for something. And finally, for tonight, see ya. Ouch, I've lost myself again. I lost myself and I'm nowhere to be found. Yeah, I think that I might break. Lost myself again and I feel unsafe. We worry a lot, and worry and fear are kind of percolating and kind of ingrained into our culture. So I guess, seeing that we're here, what does God say about worry? What does God say to those worries and the things we have? Well, good news, the Bible is full of verses that speak directly to this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6-7. Psalm 62, verse 8. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Psalm, I already said that. Uh, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God be with you wherever you go. There's even a whole passage in Matthew, which the title of it is, The Cure to Anxiety, or The Cure to Worry. In Matthew 6, we read, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life, as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body, as to what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you so worried about clothing? I guess that answers my question before about my fancy combination before. Observe how the lilies of the field grow, they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of, of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. All right. I'd like to invite the band up because that's, that's the answer to worry. That's the answer to anxiety, right? I mean, that's what it says. But at the same time, I have this question. What happens when it becomes so overwhelming that that truth doesn't sink in? What happens when, no matter how hard I look at it, a wave always appears to me as a tsunami, even though everybody else is telling me it's just a nice, calm little wave. you just got to ride it out. I can't, I can't stop myself seeing the tsunami. And it's meaning this, even though I know these verses should comfort me, there are times where we can get so overwhelmed that the truth of these verses doesn't get a chance to sink in. And this is where worry transitions into anxiety. And anxiety is what we're talking about tonight. In New Zealand currently, one in five people uh, deal with uh, a mental illness uh, on a a clinical level. One in five, 20% of our nation. Yes, just doing quick fact-checking on my own stats right there. Uh, of our total population as well, 15% of people deal with anxiety on like a severe level. Like we all worry, we all have our worries and our day-to-day troubles and things like that, but 15% of our country wrestle with anxiety, like hard-out anxiety. Uh, so it's one of these things we need, to, we need to start talking about. We need to start understanding uh, what it means. And it's good, recently, well, I say good, but there's nothing good that comes out of anxiety. It's just horrible, but I'll get into that. Um, recently, there's become more awareness of it. People are talking about it more. Uh, actually, back in February, a, a woman uh, who really suffered from anxiety set up the hashtag on Twitter, uh, hashtag, this is what anxiety feels like. And within a few short weeks, hundreds of people have uh, written tweets with this hashtag. I'll give you a sample of a few of them. You probably can't read them from here, so I'll read them for you. The top one here from Nick says, uh, uh, hashtag, this is what anxiety feels like. Calling in sick because your panic attacks are unbearable. Quitting job because you can't get out of bed. Ashamed. Kim, needing to rest for hours after social interaction. Hashtag, this is what anxiety feels like. Heidi Jean, sometimes I get anxious about being anxious. Nervous about being nervous. Hashtag, this is what anxiety feels like. Sarah Chamberlain, anxiety is the cold hand that grabs your throat in the middle of the night. Joy Pearson, my brain is casting evil spells in my emotions. Just a couple more on this next page here. Uh, Ryan at the top here writes, when you hold your breath underwater and struggle to reach the surface, burning lungs in desperation. Or Salek here, I don't hear from my friend for a day, my thought, they don't want to be my friend anymore. I copied these on Saturday, only on Saturday, I'm sure there's hundreds more of these. The good thing is with, with this raising of awareness and more people kind of speaking out about it and talking about it, there's been a number of websites, especially New Zealand websites set up to help uh, provide resources and, and help people kind of through this stuff. I just want to list a, list a couple for you. Uh, The lowdown.co.nz is a a depression and and anxiety website set up by Kiwis for Kiwis. It's fantastic, lots of incredible resources there. Um, Anxiety.org.nz is a trust working on uh, helping to provide solutions for people who wrestle with anxiety. And then I added the mighty.com, not because it's so much of like a, you know, health-backed, like helpful website kind of thing. It's what it is. It's a community, an online community of people who who wrestle with uh, mental illnesses and, and and things. And they kind of it's a kind of a collective, a shared experience kind of thing. They post helpful articles at the same time, but it also provides camaraderie. Lets people know that they're not alone. Hugely encouraging websites these. two. I just wanted to put these out here at the beginning. If if um, I tonight don't cover maybe some of the questions you might have, I would encourage you to um, either check out these websites or talk to your um, GP. But um, I guess the question as we move forward tonight is, what's the difference? What's the difference between day-to-day worry and and anxiety? Uh, I I grabbed this quote from uh, Dr. Henry Cloud. It reads, with some of these realities, some fear is an appropriate response. Fear is not always a bad thing, for it can motivate us to protect ourselves. It is the fact that we fear another terrorist attack That has moved the world to protect or to make airports more secure, speed up investigations of terrorist networks and protect our vital interests. If we were not afraid, we would not take these steps and would be much more vulnerable. So fear that protects us is very important and adaptive. But at the same time, there is a difference in an appropriate fear that makes us take actions that protect us, and living in a state of fear that hinders everyday life. When fear goes past its function of keeping us alert, it interferes with our ability to connect to the things in life that are important to us. We find it more difficult to function well in our significant relationships, our work, recreation, and the rest of the activities that we hold dear to our hearts. At that point, we need more than protection from the things that are causing the fear. Indeed, we need protection from the fear itself. Anxiety decided to set up camp in in my home over the last year and a half. Uh, My beautiful wife, Vika, about a year and a half ago things started to, to change for her. She was in a, in, a, in a job, full-time job kind of thing. We had um, been married for a good time. Already we had moved to the country about a year and a half before then. Um, but things started to get a little out of control for her. Uh, it started with not being able to get out of bed in the morning. The idea of having to get up and to get dressed and to take herself off to work well, became so overwhelming for her that it would... Um, Not allow her to function. Instead, she would confine herself to her bed, curtains drawn, door shut, just in her room for hours and hours and hours. We uh, would have to cancel appointments or going to see people because you know because anxiety stuff would just kind of kick in at some points and get to the point where it was so overwhelming she could not face um, putting her shoes on and going out out the door. So horrible, horrible stuff. And so for me, uh, what I want to talk about tonight and have been talking about is, 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 you know, addressing this issue of anxiety, sharing from what I've seen firsthand over the last year and a half as I've literally lived with anxiety, uh, but also provide, provide comfort for those who are going through this, but also encourage us as a church community is how do we respond to this? Because I have made so many mistakes so many mistakes. As a husband and you're seeing your wife struggling with, with, with this beast of a, of a thing, you just want to reach in and grab it and rip it out and, or have it passed on to you, but you just, you can't. You're completely helpless. And I felt Helpless. I would be kneeling by my bed, weeping, crying out to God. God, please take this from her. Give it to me or just make it go away. It was, it was horrible. Devastating. Because it would evolve. It would start off as a worry about getting up and going place and, and lead to a really dark thought or to, a, to the point where I couldn't leave her alone. Good news is she's she's doing incredible now. She's she's amazing. I love I love my wife, and she's in an amazing place now. And we'll get we'll get to that in in a, in a moment. But the question I had a lot in in these in these times in these moments was where is where is Jesus in the anxiety? Where is Jesus in this this horribleness? And the answer, as I look back on it, is He was right there. As I was kneeling and and weeping and crying, he was right there with me. As Vika was confined to her bed alone, thoughts racing and things, he was right there in the midst of this. We can take comfort from the fact that in in the Bible, we read a lot about how God uses broken people. Uh, but more importantly is that he's there in those times that are kind of chaotic and those times that are unstable. He's, he, he turns up every single time again and, and again and again and again. He's there. We, uh, we're, for me, it's like if we were to pick out one example of this, uh, a person who uh, kind of dealt with anxiety and worry the most, in my opinion, and has, has written the most about it is, is King David. If there's one thing we learn from King David from reading his, his Psalms is that he was a bit of a worried guy. We have, this, uh, we have this Psalm here, Psalm 23, verse 1 to 6. God, you are my shepherd. I lack nothing. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. You lead me in paths of righteousness for, you, for your name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life and I will dwell in your house forever. Amen. God was there. In the midst of David's worry and his anxiety, God was present, and we see this again and again in the Psalms. David uh, bringing up his worry, or his concern. My enemies are surrounding me. Uh, there are people talk about me and, and and put me down and stuff like that. But God, I know you're here. I know you're here in the midst of this. And we're reminded again in, in Hebrews uh, that it says we we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our who can we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet we are without sin. Hebrews, this is about Jesus. Jesus has gone through all the things that we have experienced. He was 100% man. A lot of people discuss and kind of argue about the whole Gethsemane thing, but I think he was worried. I think he was worried about what was to come you know and i think you know and for the sake of that just, he just draw it just draws him even closer to us jesus is is there in in the midst in the chaos in the horrible moments in the anxiety he is there and he is with you and he can sympathize and be with us or he can empathize and be with us so what can i do how do i fight anxiety how do i fight anxiety well uh through this journey that we've, we've been on with Vika, there are a number of things that are helpful. Things like uh, staying in connection with other people, uh, making sure you have structure and routine, actually making something that you have to get out of bed for, or even if it's just one thing, going and doing it. Uh, learning relax relaxation techniques, whether it's going for a walk or doing yoga or something that can get you out of that kind of crazy headspace and, and focusing on something else. Uh, growing our spiritual life, so deepening your relationship with Jesus or coming in here and being involved with the church in, in, in a way, uh, but also at the same time, if needed, going and getting professional help from your GP or from a counselor. But there's uh, something that you know is not on this list, but I think it's something that's really important, and I think it's something we sh- we're going to focus on for the next little bit, and it's these uh, couple of verses in Ephesians and in Romans uh, that talk about renewing Your mind, because anxiety, you know, affects the mind. It's it's uh, the way anxiety happens is it kind of carves out new railroad tracks or paths in your in your neuro. What's what's the fancy word for it? Yeah, it forms new neural pathways and stuff in your mind. And if you if you use the analogy of railway tracks, they're big, they're heavy. Once they're there, if a thought goes down, it can only go down one place. And after Living out near Bayfield for the last few months, I can tell you that railway tracks are very hard to shift and very hard to move, but this is where uh, renewing of the mind comes in. It's this surrounding yourself with the verses from before, even though at the start they might not sink in as much as you would, or for, like an average, for someone who's just dealing with worry and stuff like that, but it's surrounding yourself with these verses, carving out new tracks, ripping out the other ones that can take some time, but I guess a lot of the question can be like, how did, okay, cool, that, renewing your mind, cool, that's that's good if I'm here in anxiety, but how did I get from just worrying about what color my t-shirt was to anxiety, and that, that's the thing about it, it's subtle, it's in the background, it's it's this constant state of worrying about small things that can start, you know, digging out the trenches where the railway track's going to go, laying in the gravel or the hard sheet metal stuff where it's going to go, to the point of actually laying down the iron to then hammering the iron in place. And so whether you're here or down here, this whole renewing of your mind thing is really important. Surrounding ourselves with God's truth, his, His Scriptures, just like the ones I read out before. To uh, present this in a different way to help you maybe potentially understand, a few weeks ago I went to sit down in a chair to learn a song on guitar and I uh, put my back out pretty badly. To the point of, I was on all fours, crawling around for the rest of the evening. Completely lost the ability to walk, to stand, completely gone. Confused as I was, I went to the physio and I like, how, how did I do this? I just sat down in a chair and then my back was completely gone, and I wasn't able to walk or function or anything. And after some poking and prodding, as physios do, lovingly and caringly, but always kind of poking and proddingly, uh, it, they discovered that my, over a series of the last few years, my core had uh, completely degraded, and there were a whole bunch of weak muscles in there, and ultimately it had left my discs in my spine vulnerable, uh, so that when I was to sit down, it was just the final like straw kind of thing, it was boom, gone. Uh, which is basically just saying that I uh, let my youthful abs slip away from me. <laughs> thank you for the thank you for the laughter. Appreciate it. It's good. Um, someone was supposed to yell out, "No, you look great," but that's okay. <laughs> um, so so yeah. So and it's only gonna be after time that after I, I rebuild the muscle and stuff here that it's gonna be supported and fine again. It's the same situation with anxiety small things building up over building up time and then it can seem like all of a sudden boom you're here and you're in the middle of it renewing of the mind renewing your mind is ripping up those old train tracks and laying new ones we uh, we personally discovered this to help Vicar a lot Uh, She now has, she has one verse by her bed, or she has has one memorized as well. It's actually the um, psalm we read just before, so that when her thoughts start to go a bit crazy, she will start repeating that verse, start letting it permeate and sink deeper into her, and we've found it's helped a lot um, in in doing that. So this whole journey that we've had, that's personally, and I'm going to move from if you're a person dealing with it, into how do we as a collective respond to it. Uh, you know, it's. I, w- I, I want to encourage you and say that it's incredibly hard. Hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life is see my wife go through what she's gone through. Incre- hardest thing in the world. Uh, and it's hard and it's awkward. And I know Vika struggled. You know, the first time she had to go see a counsellor and the first time you know she had to talk to a doctor about it and stuff like that, but here she is. And she's, a lot, she's full of life and love and was on stage this morning being interviewed and stuff like that. You know, she's doing amazing. So be encouraged if you are either starting the journey or in the middle of it. You know, it's hard and it's awkward, but it's going to be okay. So how do we respond to anxiety? And I wish someone talked to me about this. Before, before I went through all I had to go through with Vika because I got it wrong so many times. I would just make it worse. I would rush in and try and fix things because I knew the answer. I could see the perfect solution. You don't have to worry about that. It's only a banana. You don't have to worry about that. But it, to her, it was, it was so much bigger t- than that. She could only see the tsunami wave. I could see a ripple. Couldn't see it. And so, how do we respond? We need to respond with empathy. And to help explain what empathy is, I have a nice little video for you.
1: So what is empathy? And why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's very interesting, Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions, where empathy is relevant, and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. (laughs) Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, and climb down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh uh-huh. No, you want a sandwich? Um, Empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah, and we do it all the time, because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So, I had a miscarriage. Oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. <laughs> John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better if I share something with you that's very difficult I'd rather you say I don't even know what to say right now I'm just so glad you told me because the truth is rarely can a response make something better what makes
0: something better is connection does that help? does that help? sympathy is good but for People who wrestle with stuff like this, anxiety and stuff like that, empathy is is more so what they they need. Vika would would say to me on numerous times, like, I don't need you to try and fix this, I just want you to understand that I, I, I'm confused. I was recently uh, watching or Ridge, incredible movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's If you, if you like Saving Private Ryan, you'll love it. Um, but I was just amazed by uh, the medic, the main character, who again and again would run into these these crazy, intense, horrible situations and be there with these uh, people who were dying or had lost limbs and stuff like that. He was like in there with them, like in the grit, risking his life to save theirs kind of thing, like in there. He wasn't standing off by the ladder and being like, come on, you can make it. Yeah, I'm here, you just got to come here. You lost your legs. Oh, that's right, you got arms, come on. Like he didn't, he wasn't like that. He was in there with the guys, picking them up, carrying them, moving forward with them. There were times during this, this journey we've had with Vika where certain people who, who cared about Vika a lot uh, but would say things that didn't really help. Things like, if like she would share with them, things like, oh, you just need to pray more. Oh, uh, have you been going to church enough? Or oh, uh, maybe maybe there's some sin in your life that you need to deal with. People trying to sympathize, but at the same time, bring this kind of correction rather than empathizing and being more like, I don't, I don't fully understand what's going on for you, but I'm here and I'm with you in this. I come to where you are and I'm going to carry you out of this. We need to be the same to people who have anxiety. Well, you know, we just need to be the same to that with people in general, you know, <laughs> When I watched that video for the first time, I was just like, that's exactly what Jesus does. That's exactly what Jesus does in those moments that are out of control and crazy for us. He is right there. Right there with us. Empathizing with us, understanding because he's been through it too. If you're a person who's been dealing with anxiety, I, I, I want you to know that we love you. We want to stand with you. You are not alone. We were all designed for relationship and anxiety constantly tries to rip people out of that. It constantly tries to isolate uh, so they can get a grip on your mind and just throw things out of control. But we were made to interact with each other and we're here for you and we want to stand with you and we love you. I'm going to pray in in a moment, but before I do... Uh, if you're worried about your anxiety, or you have someone, or you know someone who has it, please start a conversation with them about it in an empathetic way, not like a oh, "I noticed, yeah, yeah, you should change," but a... more like a "Hey, I see something's not going, going you know, great. I'm here for you." Um, if you need uh, professional help, if you're currently wrestling with it, uh, an amaz- there's an amazing pastoral care team. Uh, here at BBC uh, who are also connected to fantastic counsellors uh, but I'd encourage you to see your, your GP and stuff as well you know there's a silly thing I've been around church a long time there's a silly thing that sometimes can come out where it's like if you if you some people can look down on you for like going to see a GP and, 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 and like a counsellor and stuff like that if I could use appropriate wording here I'd say a certain other word but I'm going to say that's rubbish you know that's absolutely rubbish God is just as able to use counsellors and GPs to help you find healing as is the amazing, powerful in service work of the Holy Spirit as well. You know, but that's a whole other whole other thing. And you, if you, yeah, um, but uh, if I'm just going to bring those websites up again as well. Uh, if if you are wanting more information, more resources, and more things, uh, the lowdown, and themighty.com. What I wanted to do at the the end of this is um, we've had an incredible, incredible series and we've got a couple of weeks left still. Uh, But it's one of these things like if you talk about anxiety and you're like, okay, if you're anxious, come out to the front. That's like a death sentence for people who are wrestling with anxiety. (laughs) So I'm not going to do that. Um, What I want to do is actually uh, Jesus who is with us. In those moments, in those, in those chaotic moments, he understands, he is with us. I think I've said this like a million times now, but the thing we don't always draw upon is the fact that he's powerful. He is mighty. He is sovereign. And so what I want to do for us tonight is, is we're going to stand together in a moment. I'm going to read uh, the description of Jesus that we find in Revelation 1. And then after I've read that, we're going to, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing, call upon the Lord one more time. Because our God is powerful, and He is always with us. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were blazing like fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Would you stand with me and we're going to pray. Jesus, you are alive and you are powerful and you have conquered death, and you are with us in this moment right now, Lord. Lord, I thank you for for what you've been doing in this place tonight, what you've been doing in the hearts and the minds of each and every single person here, Lord God. I ask and I pray that you give each person a revelation of just your mightiness and also of your presence, Lord God. That even though we face situations that are overwhelming, whether it be anxiety, whether it be doubt, or whether it be disability, or any of the other other things we have covered in this series, Lord God, may we know that you are sovereign, you care about us intimately, Lord, but you are powerful, and that you are with us and you stand with us in the midst of all of this, Lord Jesus. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I pray for those of them who are right now wrestling with anxiety or other uh, de- deceivements of the mind, Lord Jesus. I pray that you bring healing and you bring freedom, Lord God. And I pray that you do something in this community. You do something in amongst the hearts of us. Give us a revelation of your empathy, how to stand with our brothers and sisters as they go through these incredibly hard times, Lord. But ultimately, Lord God, we stand here and we declare that you are sovereign. And we call upon your name when our times are troubled. We call upon your name when things go crazy. And we call upon your name when we're anxious or scared, Lord God, because you are king. Amen.